Welcome back to the Shine Like Stars podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Corpin, and today I'm joined by two of my good friends, Marin Drimach and Brian Lyons. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about The French Dispatch, Wes Anderson's 10th film. Uh, it was released back in October, and I know that the, both of them really loved it, so I wanted to first thank Searchlight and Disney for sending me a digital copy. Uh, we all got to watch it beforehand, and I'll let the discussion take it from here. How are you guys doing? I'm sorry. I messed up your name, Marin. That is totally okay. I get that a lot, even with my first name. Um, but I'm doing great, Andrew. How are you? Thanks for having us on. Yeah, not too bad. Brian, how about you? I'm also good. I'm glad you didn't mess up my name. That would have been embarrassing. <laughs> I know. I would have. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wouldn't have been able to continue podcasting. But anyways, <laughs> today we're going to talk about the uh, the French Dispatch, Wes Anderson's tenth movie. Uh, just really quick, how much? How many of you of uh, his films have you guys seen? I know Brian, you've seen a couple, or at least most of them. Yeah, I think I've seen uh, almost all of them. There's only a few that I haven't. Um, I think The Life Aquatic was one of the only ones I haven't seen. Okay. But yeah, I'm you, a big fan. Oh, sorry, <laughs> not to cut you off. Sorry. Uh, and Marin, how about you? I actually have only seen two of his films. I've seen The Fantastic Mr. Fox a couple okay. times and then The French Dispatch. So. Okay. So then just broad, you know, uh, overall thoughts on The French Dispatch from both of you guys. Yeah, I can start. Um, just, I think it was probably my favorite Wes Anderson film I've seen, um, just because it felt like he had a culmination of what he does well with his style and just the actors that he chose and the writing of it. It just felt like a almost a perfected sense of like a Wes Anderson style movie. I went in knowing what I wanted to see, saw it, and was still surprised and still enjoyed it. So I, I really liked it. Yeah, I agree. I I think, I mean, I might not have seen a lot of Wes Anderson's films, but I definitely know his style and I definitely know the aesthetic that he brings to his films with the colors and the shapes and the symmetry. And I think he accomplished a lot of that really well because it's just his style. Um, so it wouldn't be a Wes Anderson film without that style. Um, but overall, I really connected with the film because of the whole topic with just it being a magazine and me being the editor in chief of my school's newspaper. Um, it kind of brought a lot of reality to journalism as a field and to just like the little quirks and idiosyncrasies of that field. And so that's why I was really drawn to the movie, um, plus the loaded cast. So yeah. overall, I thought it was a wonderful film. Yeah, and I apologize for my phone going off in the, in the middle of that. But um, no, I, I was going to ask you that. I didn't know if that was okay to mention that you are the editor in chief of our uh, school newspaper. So it's kind of you're kind of the Bill Murray, I guess. <laughs> um, I am living. <laughs> I'm honored. <laughs> um, so yes, as you know, thank you to Searchlight again for sending me a digital copy. I'd seen it. Um, I'd seen it twice. I think I went to a press screening where everybody was going. There was one guy in particular that loved every Wes Anderson joke, you know, like the every quirk he laughed at very loudly. Um, and I didn't love it. And then I saw it again with my dad and realized, really appreciated it more. Um, and I think there's three main anthologies that we want to uh, kind of delve into. So the first one was the, um, the, I'm sorry, I almost said the cycling reporter, but that was just the little uh, snippet. But it's the painting one with Leah Say, I always mispronounce her name, uh, Lee Saito, I'm going to say that, probably be wrong, and Benicio Del Toro. And so, right off the bat, what did you guys think of that one? 
you want to start this time, Mary? I guess I could. Yeah. Um, so I was trying to decide from the first time I watched this movie and then the second time that I watched it, what my favorite of those three main chapters were, those three main sections. And I think I've decided that this chapter is my favorite. Um, first, because of the music. I just think, I mean, overall, the musical score is fantastic. And I'm sure we will get into that later. But um, that first chapter, I think it's because re- it's really the main story that like brings you to this magazine and to this film as a whole. Like you obviously you have the first little kind of intro, the cycling reporter. And it's like, OK, we're setting up the setting here. Like we're in the city of Ennui. Like this is where these journalists were stationed. But this art chapter really brought you into the film as a whole. and the magazine as a whole and delving into the writers and their true professions. Um, so it was interesting to see the originality of the writer herself, like Tilda Swinton, who is giving this presentation. And then it was in her voice that she wrote this article. Um, and then the depth of the characters of Moses Rolenthaler and um, even Simone too, with the depth of her character. But Benicio del Toro, man, I just, when I saw his name in the cast, I was like, okay, am I going to get something similar to the Codebreaker in Star Wars The Last Jedi? Or am I going to get something completely different? Because any movie with him is just like a complete toss up. Like you never know what you're going to get from him. Um, So I really appreciated his role in this film. Yeah. And it's funny you said that was your favorite one. Uh, Brian, was was this also your favorite (laughs) anthology chapter? Uh, I'm not sure it was my favorite. Um, I think I, I, I would be pushed to say that Benicio Del Toro's performance might be my favorite performance in the movie. I'm not certain, but I, I also thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I think what drew me to that one that was a little different from the others is how it balanced, or at least it started to balance the humor between the lighthearted humor of kind of him ending up painting on cement and stuff and, and throwing things out of whack and but also very dark and crude humor that, that still makes the audience laugh that I I wasn't expecting that for like balance between the two done so well and so that that definitely caught my attention um, but once again definitely del Toro's performance I mean he's he's slid into Marvel and Star Wars and, and definitely well known for Sicario but he did a wonderful job who is he in Marvel? I, I'm trying to think of who he plays. Uh, he plays the Collector in the Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, right, right. Oh. Yeah. I completely forgot he was in Marvel because he said that, and I was trying to... Yeah. Okay. I yeah. did, too. <laughs> Definitely a smaller performance, but also a standout performance. Yeah. Um, and also in this chapter is Adrian Brody, who's a frequent collaborator with uh, Wes Anderson. And yeah, kind of like what you guys both said, it's mostly in black and white, right? If I'm not mistaken, I think. And it kind of mm-hmm. flashes the color every once in a while. Um, yes. And I, lo- I love that scene where um, it's at the gallery when it's on display and there's like that fight and it kind of goes slow motion, right? And I think it like, you know, moves around and you see everybody uh, uh, frozen. And I kind of, I think this was the first one or the, well, this was the first time in the movie I kind of, I remember seeing it for the first time thinking it felt a little long. And that's kind of a, com- a common recurrence where I felt it, it kind of ran its course and then we kind of kept going. I think when I was watching it again on TV, I, I checked the time. I think it ends about 50 minutes into the movie or something, which is a little, I think, halfway or maybe a little give or take. Um, but yeah, and any other final thoughts on this particular chapter? Anything you want to say? I mean, that's what Brian and I said when we rewatched it today. 
we were like, this movie's a lot shorter than I remember it. Because I felt like I was sitting in the theater like forever. Like it almost gave the illusion that I was actually reading these stories. Like it almost took the amount of time that it would take to read through the like 50 page stories um, to like get to the end of the movie. And I'm like, hmm. I guess they really kind of captured that like long drawn out detail that you would have in like features articles. Um, yeah, that's fair. I almost tried to calculate it because I think they say how many words some of them are. <laughs> I was like, oh, would it take you this long to tell that story? I mean, that's probably BS completely. I don't think that was <laughs> how it worked. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Brian, anything else on this uh, chapter? Uh, yeah, I mean, the length we talked, Marion talked a bit about the music, which which was yeah. great throughout the movie, but that was a standout. Um, chapter definitely the performances uh tilda swinton i think caught me off guard i didn't realize that was her for a little bit but after a while i'm like oh that that's definitely tilda swinton <laughs> um but other than that yeah i think i think it was really good yeah, so then we get to the manifesto one which i think now is my favorite one i think this was definitely i don't know if you guys saw this but um in promotion for the film i might have showed you this brian they they transformed a real cafe like into the one in the film like in new york city and they were giving out copies of the magazine and they had the chests and everything in the thing so i thought this in terms of the art you know the set design and stuff was the best and we get timothy chalamet having the time of his life which i always think is a nice i mean don't look up he kind of is the same thing but he's always so like you know, what's the, you know, he's just so, uh, you know, kind of, I don't want to say disinterested, but you know, he's just so like, there's a word I'm looking for. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but he's just kind of like bland, you know, and it's not that he's not a good actor, but he's always very serious, I guess, is what I'm trying to say in you know, most polite way possible. But here he's so fun, you know, it's kind of campy a little bit. And I don't know, what, what do you guys think about Timothy Chalamet and his leading of this manifesto? Yeah, well, I, I will, quickly jump in and also add that it was probably my favorite chapter too just because honestly either because of his performance or just the story of it just made me laugh the whole time um but I was very apprehensive when I saw that he was in the cast I haven't been a huge fan of him uh very much in his previous films but definitely at least after watching it the second time I think he definitely fits in very well um he he takes all of his all of his characters seem to take themselves too seriously, mm -hmm. which is what makes them funny a lot of the time. Which he stand out definitely very well in this performance. Um, so yeah, I think again apprehensive at first, but after watching it, became my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> Aaron, what about you? Yeah, I would also say I was kind of nervous at first. Um, I'm not really one for politics, and I'm not really one for how seriously people take politics um especially like in college so Juliet her character kind of annoyed me just because of how like intense she was about every little disagreement um but after a while I realized that that was like a purposeful tactic and that it was purposefully dramatizing and exaggerating the seriousness that people take about like political issues and um and like even just the topic of getting boys full access to the girls dormitory right. is like okay yeah this is something that college students would be like completely bonkers about <laughs> so it makes sense that they're trying to take this in a like lighthearted fashion um i wouldn't i wouldn't say this is like my second favorite um i probably put this one at the bottom but it, it's really hard for me because i love timothy chalamet and i mean who doesn't 
but his performance I think kind of bumps up the liking of that segment for me just because his character was so likable yet just as quirky as even some of the writers which I think is a big reason why he and Kremens clicked a lot was because he had this same kind of personality as the other journalistic writers that we were seeing throughout the rest of the film. Um, so like I said, not my favorite, but Timothy Chalamet kind of bumped that up to like four stars for me. Yeah, and I think something you said was his, he is a relatable character. I mean, you know, we, we've all written for the newspaper and it's, it, it is always hard to be critiqued, right? Like when you're writing and somebody mentions something, and I love how defensive he gets when he's in the, you know, when she says it's a little a little damp and, he, you know, he gets really <laughs> defensive over that. And uh, he didn't think, you know, he thought it'd be impressive that he wrote this manifesto and whatnot. Um, and, you know, something else you'd mentioned was the conflict of the boys and the girls dorms. It made me laugh because our school's very, you know, not as quite as uh, strict on that as my previous school I went to, where there was no boys and girls intermingling in rooms. So it kind of made me laugh because it brought me back to that time where if this kind of debate arise, I'm sure that would be a big thing. And maybe not over a game of chess, you know, but, um, mm -hmm. but it definitely would have been a big conflict and how they handled it. Um, but yeah, and I liked also the, the set design, like I mentioned, the, bake, the little cafe that they're in or a uh, restaurant, whatever it is. I don't remember if it's a restaurant or cafe. Um, it seems like a cafe, yeah, just because it was a place where students were gathering all together. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I love the very Wes Anderson-like part where they kind of are on their bike or whatever, and they're going through the sky, <laughs> whatever. And that made me laugh because it just looks so, it looks fake, but it, it, it breaks the illusion, but not, but not in his own world, if that makes sense. It's very Wes Anderson to the max. Um, and Frances McDormand's also great, who's also another actress who's very, usually very serious, you know, Nomadland or three billboards she's always so serious but to see her kind of having a fun role it it sounds it sounds maybe bad to say but sometimes you forget actors are fun loving people sometimes <laughs> like with a timothy Chalamet, where you kind of forget oh i didn't know you could smile because you see him in dune where he's very serious all the time or you know but um but yeah so i, I think it's funny that marin you enjoyed it more upon second watch did you say or was it yeah i think i think upon the second watch i was like okay yeah like i like this one a little more um but even in the first time around like just the whole movie was just stuck with me and so it was hard for me to kind of determine which parts i liked better but yeah i would say definitely through the second time around i liked each segment a little bit more yeah and then is there anything else you know either of you guys want to throw in about this one in particular i feel like i'm missing somebody in the cast who was really great but i can't remember i mean Kremens's character, I thought, just like the dryness of her humor mm -hmm. um, was really hilarious and quite cleverly done by the character because you see that like I, I related to her a lot of the time where I'm just like I'm sitting down writing an article and I'm like, oh, yeah, I already have a thousand words, but this is absolute garbage. And like, I don't want you to see it yet because I'm still working on it. Like, you know, the scene where, like, there's they're laying in the bed and he's like, oh, so can I see, like, yeah. kind of piece over? She's just like, no, and, like, covers it up. Um, but just some of her comments just made me laugh, and I related to her in that sense. Yeah. And, Brian, were you about to say something as well? Yeah, I mean, I'll just, I'll just add. I think, so Frances McDormand, McDermott, who plays, who you are just talking about, I'm pretty sure she's done some Wes Anderson before, and so yes. it's, it's great to see her in it again. Um, 
I think the only thing that I'll just add again is the continuing theme of a very morbid feeling to the humor in some parts. Again, just kept shocking me that I'd laugh and then I'd think, wait, that's not as funny as, as I should be laughing at, but it was still, yeah, I don't know. It just had me catching myself throughout, which was fascinating. Yeah, what's interesting yeah, is such I'm... a way of, oh, go ahead, Marin. sorry. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, Brian, I know what you mean because the whole thing is based around a protest and looking at the history of our country in the past two or so years, the fact that they're using tear gas and rubber bullets as almost symbols in this movie and like quite real objects also. Um, it's just shocking. Like once you get past the underlying reason, like what these protests are for is it's for something so silly, but then it brings you back to the reality of what other groups are actually protesting for and that those same tactics are used against those groups as well. So I definitely agree with what you're saying that it's like, it makes you laugh at first, but then you kind of dive a little deeper and you're like, wow, like this is, this is real and this is dark, you know? Well, and I think you guys talking about that, I wanted to mention that a lot of the complaints with the French dispatch is that it kind of lacks, I guess, heart. And I think in a traditional sense, it does. In, and I mean this in like, he's had a lot of films that were very like, about like love, for example, like Moonrise Kingdom or... I mean, Rushmore on a different level or Royal, Royal Tenenbaums. You know, there's movies that had a lot of family elements, something. This didn't quite have that, but I think it did have a deeper, because you guys were just talking about even, you know, the, the metaphors of the, you know, rubber bullets and the gas. I think there was more, it was a deep movie, but maybe not in the way people kind of see his, some of his other movies. I don't know if you guys agree, disagree with that. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would definitely agree. I mean, you look at, for example, Fantastic Mr. Fox, which is like all about a family dynamic. Um, or all the other ones that you mentioned, and you don't really see much of that heartwarming dynamic throughout, maybe a bit with the editors at the end, but even then it's just kind of a lighthearted, humorous thing. Um, but it definitely, it seems like he tried to take a different route in what he was trying to do, which which I understand some critique for that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, then I guess if nothing else, then we'll just move on to the the dining room or the dining chapter. I don't really know what to call this one, um, but it's great to see Jeffrey Wright in a Wes Anderson movie. I didn't know I ever needed that, but I think upon the first watch, I love this one the most just because of the way it jumps to animation towards the end in the chase. Um, I guess we'll touch on that a little bit later. Um, and I also love seeing Willem Dafoe and Edward Norton come back into Wes Anderson's world. Um, this one was just so quirky. <laughs> and even though it's a little bit, it did feel a little long. I just, I don't know, it was just so funny. And it, it, it was the most Wes Anderson one to me out of these three. I did enjoy this one a lot, and I enjoyed the music in this one a lot, too. It kind of kept you hooked the whole time mm -hmm. because it was almost it was almost suspenseful. And like there were some like instrumental changes that like changed with the tone of the scene that was immediately happening. Um, but my personally, my favorite part of this one, and I know it's minor, was just Saoirse Ronan's cameo because mm. I love Saoirse Ronan. I think she is wonderful. And just like having her in that dynamic like they literally they could have done without that character because it was just a part of the extras that were like held in that same building for that felony you know but having her actually connect with Chi Chi was in my opinion just like something that made it more personal you know between like that outside world beyond his closet for those people that were 
in that same place but not interacting with him her like coming over and talking to him um but overall i i agree with you i think the animation was really clever because they brought kind of that back reference of hey this was developed in a comic strip a couple weeks later or whatever and or however much time it was and they kind of shift through that to depict that scene Oh, and, and I think on top of that, it also is great because that chase can't really happen in live action form. I don't think like, I mean, some of it, you know, like the random running off to one side, going in a circle, looping back, like we've seen that in his kind of <laughs> stuff, but it is so extreme with like that, the the weightlifter that kind of catches the car or whatever falls off the cliff. Like you just can't, I don't think it would have looked as good in live action form as it did animated kind of helped that, you know, ease that suspension of disbelief, I guess, for lack of a better um, phrase. And Brian, what did you think about this one? Yeah, well, I would agree that it absolutely feels like the most Wes Anderson-esque part of the movie, uh, partly because of the animation and, and just the writing of it, uh, but also the music where it's just a repetitive sounds that just keep a, a tone that will shift a little bit, but it just keeps you like almost bouncing with the mm -hmm. with what's happening. Um, I think I found it a little relatable at the end because I'm someone who is a big fan of cooking and, and I'm a connoisseur of, of good food. And so when I saw that it was going to be like a food section of the, the magazine. I'm like, oh, this is great. And then I got so into it. And at the end, he's like, this is about food. What is this story? And I'm like, oh, yeah, hang on. We didn't see much actually like cooking or anything. But it was it was hilarious and fascinating. Um, I love that Jeffrey Wright's character was Mr. Wright anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I agree. It was it was a very fun one to watch. Well, and I love the way that like the violence is even portrayed where there's a shootout, but it's it really is, again, the most Wes Anderson way you could do. Everybody's just standing and shooting and they have a conversation in the midst of it. <laughs> They'll stop for a second. You know, it's like that's not how a shootout works. This isn't. Yeah, we, we got to stop to get my kid a snack. Yeah. We we're holding hostage. <laughs> Send the cook. Yeah. And I guess we yeah, I guess you're right. We didn't get much of the cooking because they show the kitchen. Right. But does he make do they even eat a full meal? I don't remember. You do a little bit when they're planning, but okay. it's definitely not the focus of the story, which is a little joke at the end of it. But yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I don't remember, I guess, so the person that kind of is the main protagonist in each story is the one that wrote it, correct? Am I? Yeah. Okay. That's what I couldn't remember. And then we kind of get to the obituary, which I think was wrapping it back from the bicycle in the beginning um where bill murray unfortunately died well his character i don't remember his, his character's name um <laughs> and i think this is if if i was to have a critique of the movie that was kind of overarching this would be the section where i think i liked the way it ended i think it was beautiful to see all the writers kind of come together and write this obituary but it also felt like this was where okay, we can force in the new names and some of the people that I collaborate with, if I'm Wes Anderson speaking. Uh, for example, you had, um, like, I didn't even realize uh, Jason Schwartzman's in it until afterwards. I realized he has to be in it. And uh, he was just one of the people. At the, I think he was the, he might have been the comic drawer. I don't remember exactly what his uh, role was. And uh, what's her name? Elizabeth, Elizabeth Moss was also in it. But uh, kind of just in a minor role, you know, and Owen Wilson also, you know, we, I know we had a chapter devoted to him for 10 minutes or so, but it did feel like a little bit of like, here's an Angelica Houston or yeah, Houston. That's the last person I meant to mention that kind of just feels like, oh, I've collaborated with this person before I need to get them in here. So we're going to just kind of throw it in. And I'm not saying they all needed a meaningful role because the movie's only 107 minutes or whatever. Um, but I don't know how you guys felt about this obituary and kind of looping it all back together. 
Okay. Yeah, I, I <laughs> um, would agree. I would just say that um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I thought that you were not saying it. Okay. No, you're good. Um, you started. So from the intro that we get at the beginning with each of those minor characters' roles, I do agree. I think it could have been a little more involved in like the wrap up. Cause I mean, there, there was time for it. Like it could have been maybe 15, 20 minutes longer. Like, I don't know. Like if, if you would just see like each of those people's contributions other than the major writers, because like, obviously we saw their contributions. We got whole 50 minute chapters dedicated to them. Um, but those like minor characters, like the person who like introduces all of the articles and all of the sections, um, the comic drawer, like if we could get some input from each of them and their own personal connections with, I think his name's Arthur. I feel like the editor in chief's name is Arthur. Yep, you're right. Yep. But I'm blanking. Yeah. So if we got each of their relationships with their editor, because in all, like the editor in chief is the editor of everybody like he doesn't just edit each individual writer's stories like he's in charge of printing and publishing and comic drawing and all of this major like this minor stuff that we wouldn't normally see when we just read an article so i think i think anderson could have could have wrapped up a little better instead of just kind of it, like because that part just felt a little rushed through i don't know about you guys but well, Brian, your expression kind of said it all when <laughs> Marin started speaking. So what were you thinking? <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely the first time I watched it when it was in the theater, I came away off with a high of enjoying it, but also after a while I was thinking about it and I would have wanted, first time watching it, would have wanted to see more of the interaction that we saw at the beginning and the end, maybe throughout uh, or just longer times, uh, just because it felt lacking whereas i would have loved to see more of it um but i think the second time i saw it i thought more of how it almost fits the tone and the theme of it and that it's very much like a real magazine place where like yeah you have the writers and you have all these other workers and stuff but they don't get a whole lot of attention it's just kind of you read their stories you might look at their names but other than that, you don't really pay attention to them, especially the comic artists. And I think it's funny that they were like star actors in it. They got little cameos, but it it feels like a magazine. It feels like you're reading a magazine, you're getting the stories, you're getting really into the stories. And then you just kind of see the names up under the titles and stuff. And you're like, oh, cool. I wonder what next week's going to be like. <laughs> so yeah, well, I liked an, it after the second time. I mean, that's an interesting perspective. I didn't really think about that. And I guess what Brian's trying to say is that journalists aren't important and they, <laughs> their names don't matter. <laughs> no, yeah. but, I mean, but no, but I, I really didn't think of it that way. And it is an interesting way to, to look back at it. Um, but in total, then, if you guys had to, you know, I don't know if you guys would rather rate it at a 10, out of five or a grade, I, you know, everybody has their own preference. What would you guys each give it, the French Dispatch? And I guess also, where does it rank among all the movies you watched last year? You know, hmm. reasonably. If you can think of that offhand. Again, that's kind of a... I'm throwing this at you guys without any preparation. Well, I would definitely say that it definitely is at the top of... Not necessarily the very top, but at least in the top realm of the movies that I've seen last year. So I just 
thought it was brilliant and I really enjoyed it. Um, and in terms of a grade, I feel like I'd give it an A minus. Okay. I don't really know my rationale for that. Um, most of it comes from like, just like, cause I don't know whether or not I fully appreciate the bashing journalism humor because it is my profession <laughs> and my hopeful profession. Um, but I also just thought it was funny and really relatable because like we can't take ourselves seriously all the time, you know, and I, I have a problem doing that myself. Um, but just the wrapping up of the whole film, I think is what bumps it down to a minus for me, because now that I'm thinking on it, I would have really appreciated like the magazine to like come together, like to put the binding on that print, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that's what I would give it. Okay. And uh, Brian? Yeah, I, it would definitely be higher up on my list of movies I saw last year. I'd have to spend more time thinking about everything I did see. <laughs> um, so out of caution, I think I'll just say it, it's definitely up on top of the list somewhere up there. Um, Ranking wise, let's see, out of like seven Timothy Chalamets, I'd give it maybe a five <laughs> or a six. Um, just I, I think that Wes Anderson did a fantastic job of making a funny movie, but it's a funny movie in that if you were in the movie, you wouldn't be laughing at things just because it's serious things, but it's hilarious to the audience. Um, and so I, I enjoyed it watching it and, and it was a good Wes Anderson movie, which is what I, I was I just, I can't get over the seven Timothy Chalamet's. <laughs> I think that, that's amazing. Um, and if you guys don't mind, I have a couple more minutes with you guys. Um, really quickly, could I just get some of your ballparks of your favorite movies of last year? Cause I like to, I probably should ask that first, but you guys were both kind of mentioning that. And I'd like to, if you could think of any offhand things you love. Mm. I have to figure out what I've watched in the past year that like isn't from another year well, be, i mean <laughs> honestly it can be it doesn't have to be exclusive to last year it could really be anything i'm just curious what was some of your favorite things you watched last year because now we're into a new year already i'm just thinking of the most recent thing that i watched and it was don't look up yes yeah. but I mean, that's kind of it. Kind of, kind of doesn't seem original because it just came out and it's on Netflix and it's okay. everybody's People are bashing watching it. it. It's okay. Everybody's yeah. bashing it. <laughs> well, I enjoyed it just because it was relatable. It was appropriate to the timing of it, um, and it was funny. Yeah. And I just really like Jennifer Lawrence. She was wonderful, and Leonardo DiCaprio, of course. Uh, he's okay, you know. <laughs> you know, just 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 Leo and Jonah Hill. Just Leo. No, but I agree with you there. It was, and Meryl Streep, of course. Um, but yeah, no, I agree with you. People are kind of bashing it, which is a little surprising. I loved it too, but, you know, I get it. It, it kind of works. It's what my thesis is about. So I think that's why I find the negative reactions really funny is that I'm all oh, talking all about neat. satire and look, people are offended by I don't look up. But this isn't about me. <laughs> Brian, what were some, <laughs> some of your favorite movies last year? Yeah, I'll, I'll just briefly say I, I also enjoyed uh, Don't Look Up. I think a lot of the critiques it's getting are ironic and that it is satire <laughs> yeah um other than that i i recently watched tick tick boom yes with uh, andrew garfield and yes. i loved that just because i'm a huge fan of of rent and, and the broadway and, and it's fantastic um and i also rewatched 
2020 movie, uh, Tenet, the, the newest Nolan movie. Yes. Um, and I'm a big Nolan fan, and so I, I enjoyed that. And it was something, it's the first Nolan movie I've watched that continues to confuse me. So I, I appreciate that. Um, so those are the two that I would add also that I recently watched and liked. Okay, sweet. Well, I appreciate you guys coming on. I don't know if you guys have anything you want to plug or anything. You guys are more than welcome to. Um, Eastern students listening, please come right for the Waltonian. I promise <laughs> I will not die before this year is over. <laughs> all right and brian you got anything uh, i'm not cool enough to plug anything right now but, uh, <laughs> in the future we'll see becoming all right <laughs> there we go yeah uh, <laughs> all right well thank you guys so much again for coming on and i really appreciate it thank you for yeah thank us. you